You're listening to Creative Confessionals with Amal Awad. Today's podcast features an interview with Kale Bain, one of the co-founders of Improv Theatre Sydney, also known as ITS. He has been performing improvised comedy theatre since 1988. He's been teaching, workshopping, directing, producing and performing shows all around the world. Kale was trained at the Second City Theatre Company in Toronto. In Australia, he has directed and produced theatre sports to sell out audiences. He was also the improv director for Foxtel's Whose Line Is It Anyway? Look, he's done a lot. He's even a media academic, investigating the confluence of journalism and comedy and teaching media and communication studies. And with the crew at ITS, he's also bringing improv to refugees to help combat mental health stresses. I took up improv theatre studies at ITS. I studied there for a little more than a year, and I have to say it had a profound impact on my well-being, especially as someone who works a lot in isolation. Hi, Kale Bain. Welcome to my podcast. Thanks for talking to me. Thanks for having me. For the uninitiated, uh, what is improv? Just because I know a lot of people still, when I tell them that I've studied improv, say what? <laughs> um, I yeah. thought it was pretty well known given, you know, the fame of a lot of the American sort of improv artists. And in a nutshell, what, what are we talking about? Improv is a theater comedy made up on the spot. Um, the structure that we use to make it up is sketches and they could be, you know, two-minute sketches, three-minute sketches. It could be a handful, a series of sketches um, around a common theme, uh, or they could be, you know, 20-minute long to two-hour-long um, little mini-plays that we do. Um, and it's all kind of made up. There may be some guidelines around which we make the stuff up like we improv theater sydney has a um an improvised soap opera that we do and we, we kind of stick to the genre but we don't know any of the narrative beforehand we just kind of play how we think our characters would play in the moments that are created Similarly, we have a two-act improvised Tennessee Williams play that we do kind of honoring the style of Tennessee Williams. And that is still comedic because it's, it's improvised. Nobody knows what to expect. Nobody knows where anything is going, particularly the players. So they will catch themselves unawares of where things are going and you will see genuine reactions in the middle of the performances. But because of something like Tennessee Williams, which is, you know, more dramatic, that will also have more dramatic, more vulnerable moments in the performances. It can be very powerful uh, in that way, can't it? Like, it, it can really take you by surprise when you see very good improv. It, it really is about taking people on a journey and revealing people in a way, isn't it? It's never, it's never just about getting a laugh. A hundred percent. I mean, I don't. I don't have a problem. There is a lot of improv that is just about getting a laugh, and I, I don't have a problem with that. I think that's you know a lot of fun, and I think that that's a lot of. I think that's needed. I think you need to have comedy, um, but I also think that you can use it for all the different things that you can use comedy for. You can use it to you know show pathos you can use it to critique a social issue like you can in any form of comedy you know like good literature would have as well i think improv makes that very available i hesitated a lot before i signed up for improv because i had always wanted to do some sort of performance but i was a bit shy about it 
And but one of the things I noticed was that Improv Theatre Sydney was saying, um, you know, this is good for well-being, and some people just do improv for mental mental health uh, reasons and to to stay in alignment and to stay in balance. And I have to say, having done it now it really did make a difference to my well-being. And when I stopped, because I, I graduated from level five last year, uh, mm-hmm. when I stopped doing the classes, I noticed a difference because I'm a writer and I'm, you know, a bit tragic like that. You know, obviously <laughs> I need human interaction. I'm by myself a lot. And I really missed it. I really missed the, I guess, that unfurling process that happens when you're working with creative people in, a, in an environment where there's no pressure. It's just about having fun and, you know, having a different kind of creative output. And so, so how important is that for you with with the school making sure that what you're providing for people isn't about delivering you know five-star you know (laughs) performances and performers it's about a holistic approach to being I guess a a human being but also creative especially it's that's I mean that's kind of the perfect question (laughs) like I'm kind of evangelical about improv like I, I think that it can make everyone's life better um and it's one of the reasons we as a company don't have performances uh, in level one and level two in particular because people don't come there always for performance and we recognize that also we don't have performances in level one and level two because we want your performances to be good yes yes you don't want to you don't want to put people off uh, you know too soon exactly we, don't, we want it to be an enjoyable experience for the performers and the audience both so so we uh yeah like we teach in a way that hopefully really emphasizes that these are skills that you can use to make great sketch comedies but they're also great skills that you can use um in just daily communications with people like improv teaches you um you need the skills of empathy to be a good improviser you need to be able to understand how each other's characters are feeling to be able to play with that um in a comedic way to be able to make it worse really um make it as uncomfortable as possible make it as uncomfortable as possible exactly (laughs) um but in order to be able to do that you need to listen to them and you need to really get on board with them and you need to be listened to as well you need to make whatever you're trying to say clear um and we try to really workshop with that and we do that like not just in that but we also go to like organizations and do that as well it's something that the corporate world has picked up on that these are skills that are transferable to you know within the office you're kind Um, of um making creativity accessible in a way when i think about it in terms of um, performance especially, seems like such a, a distant opportunity for a lot of people. And I, I sort of wonder how important, how, how can we communicate better to people that creativity is accessible? It's not this um, sort of genius element that some people have access to and others don't. I, I think, yeah. you know, how, how do you sort of, how do you approach that, that way of thinking in terms of creativity being an accessible source? So we, starting right from the get-go of level one, we kind of try to get, try to reinforce to people that they have their own creativity, that everybody has their own perspective, and that that's where your creativity lies. And we just try to help people give voice to that themselves. We're not going to teach you how to be the next Roald Dahl or Steven Spielberg, come up with your own way of telling stories. Um, we're just going to 
teach you what you already have, what experiences that you already have that give you an insight towards certain things. And for some people, that's, you know, silly, goofy ways of looking at things. And for other people, that's a more um, documented kind of interrogative way of looking at things. Um, and for us, we kind of really relish in the fact that everybody has their own perspective. And that's what makes it fun because you get this kind of patchwork of different things. You get all these different flavors, all these different ideas to bring to comedy, and it's never, never the same. Uh, but for us, it's not. It's not about teaching you creativity. It's more about fostering how you manifest your own creativity. Yeah, really. like unleashing it within the person. So their yeah. their particular strain of creativity or interpretation of creativity will come out in the process. Yeah, I think. That's good. Yeah, uh, yeah. When it comes to uh, more generally for someone like you, who you have a very impressive uh, CV, but I can imagine that it was a long road the way it is for most people coming, you know, from Second City Theatre Company, which is obviously a highly esteemed company as well. What, how have you coped as a, a creative who probably does come up a lot? against a lot of challenges like even now your theater is doing really well but we've got a virus that has slowed things down and while you're making the most of it at the same time that's a huge challenge so how do you make sure that you take care of your mental health as a creative yeah i mean it's a very timely question me personally i rely on kind of routine and habit and i'm i'm lucky in the sense that you know i have i live with my family my wife and my two kids so we have kind of an entrenched routine and habit but i know for other people this time in particular has been for everybody this time has been really upheaving um so i think we as a company really rely on the fact that we are a community like we we know that we are nothing without the community and that's that's like the community of the ensemble and and the teachers but also the wider community around us of players and students um and there's just kind of this frequent checking in with those people that we kind of think might need checking in with because like if i'm I'm finding it a challenge. I know for sure that there's somebody else who's finding it more challenging mm. than me. Um, and I need for them to recognize that they can come to us to, at very least, talk about the challenge. But also to kind of negotiate with them as a company, really, what, how we can kind of maneuver around this challenge together um because when it's all said and done we love the community we don't want to lose anybody in the community so we want to keep them around and for us to be able to keep them around in hard times means that they will also be kept around in good times think of the creative who's listening to this who really does sort of struggle with their creativity. And one of the, the points I wrote down when I was thinking of ideas for this podcast was 
you know, what happens when creativity is the problem? <laughs> you know, it's not the release because a lot of people want to do something, but the process is arduous. It's not always enjoyable. How do you deal with that when, when it feels hard, when it feels like what you're trying to achieve is, is not falling into place? I, so I can come at this from a couple of different perspectives. Um, I'm an academic as well as a theater maker. And from, from both of them, the thing that I have to do is step away, to step back into it, and just find a different perspective of looking at it. You know, for, I'm sure you're more than aware of like finding yourselves different types of inspirations as a writer. For me, when I'm too heady into the thick of it or too like, no, I can't do this, or young people are so much better than me at this, <laughs> um, when I start getting into this mindset, uh, A, if it's, like a, if it's an ego-competitive thing, then I always have to remind myself that, you know, that it's great that young people are great at this. That's, that's not a bad thing. Thing, um, and Damn that, it, I'm doing my job well. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't have to. I don't have to worry about that. But also, uh, like, I'd speak to myself like a student, basically, and give myself the opportunity to fail, which is, you know, what improv relies on. Improv relies on um, the opportunities that failure provides. So if I just kind of repeat these things in my head, like it's okay to suck. And it's okay to do it again, particularly in improv where it's a community creation, a collaborative process, um, and I can rely on my ensemble to get me through it. I really have some ways out, but it, but it give myself the opportunity to fail and also give myself a break, like take off from doing it for a little while and try something different, try you know, a comedia class or a voice class or, you know, watch a stupid show on something um, and then come back to it and see how that works. And I do the same thing with my academia. Like, uh, with my academia, before I will take a break, often I'll just put in dot points the specific things that I want to accomplish and not write the things that I'm not doing, but write the things that I want to do and then just leave it, leave it for a day, leave it for two days. Uh, and often what will happen is I'll write the things that I want to do um, and I'll leave it. And then like, you know, at just the most inconvenient time at like two in the morning or when I'm in the middle of a class, uh, I will get this somehow burst of inspiration and I will realize the thing that I'm missing um, and kind of fill that in. It happens at just the worst moments oh, but it does happen it, and and i get back into it like that's what gets me back into it i guess it really does, does happen. yeah it, it does happen at the worst moment doesn't it? it it's like yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna just go for a nice walk and you know <laughs> you're trying to enjoy nature and then all of a sudden yeah. the ideas just start rushing through your mind and you understand what you need to do and you don't yeah. have the computer in front of you basically it's not like, exactly Exactly. Um, you need you need your, your apps for on your phone like and a hundred percent. 
you're out for like you're having a meal with a friend and then all of a sudden you're entirely rude because you're just sitting on your phone writing out notes yeah this is this has happened to me on a couple of occasions oh my, my poor wife oh my gosh <laughs> can imagine um, one thing you, you mentioned just then was that failure I think the fear of failure really stops people a lot or it really brings you down and I, I think a lot of creatives we can talk about like we have a poverty consciousness for example where we all talk about how we're not making money but we're not always talking about the mental toll being a creative has you know when you've worked really hard on something and it hasn't had the result that you wanted and one of the reasons I did improv was to get over my fear of failure especially in public because I do a lot of public speaking I thought I really need to stop worrying so much about not being perfect on stage or you know messing up because it's going to happen and improv is a great way to shake it out of you because you really are at some point going to look silly at improv like it's not there's it's impossible to go into improv and be uh there's no measurable way to say you're great at improv straight away unless you know uh so i guess for me one of the things that i wanted to ask you was you know especially as someone who has now been through a few levels of improv and still felt this very keen judgment on myself at the end of performances like oh why did I do that that never goes away yeah okay that's what I so how do you how do you manage that as someone who does this for a living and and it's not just an improv thing it's a life thing how do you deal with the whole oh my god why did I do that (laughs) so so part of that is just you know you're you're flying flight hours like it's like when you do enough shows and you have enough in your positive account then you can go back and say you know look i didn't maybe do it this time but i have enough of a realization that i have these skills so there is just the the flight time of getting comfortable in front of audiences and getting comfortable with yourself and and um backing your own choices but uh, uh, and a lot of that is just that it's that kind of personally uh constructed idea of what failure is because i can say the most fucked up thing but if i go oh why did i say that in the middle of the show that's going to be very different than me saying oh yeah that was the perfect thing and you know the scene is going to exist very differently and i am going to feel physically very differently um if i can just back myself with whatever you know stupidity i've come up with we have the benefit in improv that we're not saving lives so (laughs) if, if (laughs) if we fuck up like we just and make use out of the thing that we fuck up with. We're not performing heart surgery. So, yeah, it's also a very big measure of who it is that you're fucking up with. Um, And if you have the permission to fuck up with these people, and if you give the people around you permission to fuck up, um, in the sense that, nobody's fucking up really sorry i keep cursing in the sense that nobody's making a mistake um because if we're all able to you know do everything and everybody just supports it um then it will be fine like i have so many memories in the last couple of years i have i i did a little personal inventory of scenes that i've done with specifically with kate uh, with like my fellow directors, Kate, Carlo, and Eden, where one of us has just done the dumbest thing, just so stupid, um, that it just seems like this is going to go nowhere. But then immediately, 
we kind of all jump on board and go, yeah, that's that's dumb. And here is how I can one up that how dumb that is. <laughs> um, and don't let anybody don't give anybody the chance to think that it's unworkable. Think only give them the chance to think that's the perfect thing to write now. Um, is how we kind of manage that collectively. And you can do that collectively and you can do that individually. It's all personal perspective and it takes fortitude and practice. It's it's a weird piece. It's not something that you can kind of snap your fingers at. It's weird. Like when we go into organizations and do like a half hour session on what improv can offer you, they get it theoretically, they get it conceptually, but they don't get it experientially because it's, these are practices that you need to kind of inhabit and you need to really repeat over and over again to make them settle into your routine, into your performance or into how you interact with people in general. It's, it's, um, they can be transformative. You've been listening to Creative Confessionals, a podcast by Amal Awad. Thanks for listening.